hell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome to the Advent Calendar House, and thank you so much for Donnie Storms and his band Bronwyn's Ghost for recording that amazing new theme song, Apropos of Nothing. It was a gift, and I love it so much, it's like getting a warm scarf. And speaking of scarves... Today, we're walking in the air back to 1982 or thereabouts to melt over one of my absolute favorite TV specials, The Snowman. I am surgically replacing my nose with a pineapple, Mike Westfall. And joining me, relaxing in his icebox after a motorcycle joyride through the dark woods at two in the morning, please welcome Adam from the Merry Britsmas podcast. Hello, Adam. Hi. It's very exciting to hear you uh, say you like it already, which is, uh, I was expecting some, from some Americans that I know that have encountered this special before, do not like it very much. They find it very boring i don't know but i'm excited to hear that you like it already that's that's got me in a good mood of straight away at the start of this episode <laughs> oh good well see that was the that was one of the reasons why i wanted to invite you on here because this is something that i've loved since i was a kid i immediately hooked on to and then when i was talking to other people about it most of them didn't know what it was and the ones who did weren't really interested uh another reason I wanted you in particular on this episode is uh, I knew I knew you were the man I wanted to talk to because you start every episode of your podcast with a clip from an adjacent special Father Christmas. Happy blooming Christmas to you and all. Yes, yes. The other Raymond Briggs festive uh, special, the Father Christmas, which who does obviously appear in the snowman as well. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you're British and you um, watch telly as a child, at Christmas, this is ingrained in your mind. This and the Father Christmas specials, really. The whole Raymond Briggs Christmas world is just part of your childhood. Okay, so this is a huge deal in the UK then. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose, uh, sort of to make a comparison, it's a bit like uh, Rankin Bass or, or Charlie Brown Christmas to Brits. Wow, okay. But on the same flip side, you know, if you speak to a lot of British people, they won't know much rank. They might have, you know, they'll have heard of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and they might have heard of Charlie Brown Christmas. They might know the song, but it's not something that will be part of their cultural Christmas childhood like it is to a lot of Americans. But Snowman is to us. Absolutely. Okay, that makes a lot of sense now that you mentioned that, because I didn't know, like, my first question off the top was, how big is this? But if this is, like, the childhood Christmas special, that explains everything, really, because I assumed for a long time that this was this can't-miss classic over here, because it was on, my mom must have taped it off the TV at some point when it aired here in the States, and I watched it every Christmas, and I thought it was a can't-miss for everybody, and then I grow up, and I have hear people people on our discord we're on a discord with other christmas podcasters we mentioned this one and some of them don't think it's very christmassy which is (laughs) weird (laughs) especially for me yeah because again as a british christmas kid i'm like this this is christmas this is christmas eve 
you have to watch this on Christmas Eve if you're a young person in Britain, basically. Oh, really? it's, it's almost the law. I think Channel 4, <laughs> our, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure to this day, it's still every single Christmas Eve they have it on. I don't know how back since to the 90s, maybe early 90s, um, whenever it started sort of being syndicated on television uh, properly. Uh, so yeah, for you know the last 30 years, really, it's it's a Christmas Eve tradition for a lot of households, I think. Wow. Okay. I did see that. I think it was the year 2000, the British Film Institute made a list of the 100 best British TV programs of the 20th century. And The Snowman came in at number 71. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's big. It's not just, you know, it's not just a Christmas thing, even it, well, it is, but it's an institution. It's, a, you know, everyone will recognize The Snowman if they see The Snowman figure and he, he's used in lots of advertisements and all sorts of things as well over here. Um, so there's that sort of just instant recognition he's a character that's beloved and and as you say that's a list of it was it wasn't even christmas things was it? it's just 100 tv programs yeah it, it's everything yeah exactly and that shows you know that to make it into a list where every other tv show in britain is potentially on there shows the value of the snowman here in britain yeah and well and that's a good point to quickly get into the history, the history of the of snowman, the snowman. Which was first a wordless picture book by illustrator Raymond Briggs in 1978. Is that his best known work? Um, I'd say so, probably, but mainly as a result of this special. He had obviously did Father Christmas first, which was right. also a picture book about Father Christmas and a very British outlook of Father Christmas in, in the book and in the, the TV special. He's, mm-hmm. you know lives in a little British house with a cat and a dog and he scrumbles and mumbles and moans and he's just a very British character. And um, he had a couple of other quite, there was something called uh, Fungus the Bogeyman, Bogey Bogeyman, which is basically like a giant, you know, booger or bogey, however you want to call it, a giant piece of snot that sort of monster. <laughs> and that was quite popular, especially amongst the little kids. You know, it's a very much a preschool, you know, tiny little children's book. And that's, I remember reading that when I was very little and finding it quite funny. Um, but I'd say that his most popular stuff is his children's things. And then he wrote a couple of more adult things as well, um, which I don't know if you saw in your research. Um, he wrote something called Ethel and Ernest, which was based on his parents. I did see And that. Um, then he wrote something uh, quite horrifying, actually, called When the Wind Blows. Yeah. I, don't know if you saw that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't read that myself, but I've read about it. And just reading through the Wikipedia because um, I did a, an episode on Raymond Briggs on my podcast last year, just right. on his life, really, um, and um, was reading about that. And then I reread it again recently when I was going to be recording this with you. I just can't believe that the same man that wrote The Snowman wrote this quite horrible nuclear war story. Uh, I think it's a graphic novel. It's like illustrated, you know, very much similar style. Um, That's what it looks like, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I mean... <sighs> I don't even want to talk about it. So it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go, go. I'm going to put a link to when the wind yeah. blows on in go the look show at when notes. the wind blows. Go look at it and just ponder it for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but Raymond Briggs then approved the creation of a TV adaptation of this book, The Snowman, which first aired on Channel Four on the 26th of December, 1982. It debuted the day after Christmas. Yes. What we call Boxing Day. Uh, okay. Oh, which, that's right. Yeah, it's still a very important day in Britain as well. That's the thing. It's it's um, as I think I've spoken to quite a few Americans uh, and people just from outside Britain who they don't quite understand Boxing Day is is but it's almost a second Christmas for most British people. It, it's it's kind of the Christmas without 
obligation or expectation. You can just sort of, you know, slump on the sofa all day, eat whatever's left over, uh, hang about. And, and sort of there's no, you know, the expectations of Christmas, maybe visiting family or going out for dinner, having to cook dinner, lots of things going on. And then Boxing Day is just the day to completely relax, maybe see family informally and watch television. And so there'd be a lot of quite good television specials and Christmas specials would air on Boxing Day instead oh. of Christmas Day because people are sat inside watching television all day, basically, and just, you know, um, probably absolutely super tired in front of the sofa from a busy day the day before. So they're just there to watch telly. So even though it was, it was the day after, it was probably targeted in that way. I like the idea of Boxing Day. We need to get on that. I know. I, mean, I can't believe it's not a thing in America. Just a, It's just a, it's a bank holiday as well. I, th- I think well, it was a bank holiday. I think they might have changed it. So, you know, most people got a day off. Uh, but now they do like sales on bank on, on Boxing Day as well. They do some Boxing Day sales that are quite a big deal. Um, but it's, it's just that I, I, I some and I say this with a very, you know, sneaky, quiet voice because I'm a Christmas podcaster who loves Christmas and is obsessed with Christmas. <laughs> Sometimes I prefer Boxing Day to Christmas Day. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like my kind of holiday that just... yeah. Sit and, and chill for a bit because exactly, and yeah. and you get all the leftovers from the day before, and oh, you know, chocolate yeah. still hanging about and stuff, and so you get all the food without all the the, the stress, maybe I suppose of Christmas, and mm-hmm. then you get sort of tension you get sometimes at Christmas. You know, oh, if yeah. it's a big party or dinner or something, and family members around or people you might not be too keen on. Boxing Day is just no. I just stay home and eat whatever's leftover food, and just watch television. It's it's no obligation. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely get it behind just a recovery day from the yeah. lead up to Christmas. That's what it is, a recovery day. Wow. So The Snowman was directed by the late Diane Jackson, who also worked on Yellow Submarine and the Beatles Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I didn't I d- didn't really know her name, actually. Uh, she's not famous for she didn't direct anything else or anything big i think she maybe directed some other animation stuff okay um but yeah to find out she did some beetle stuff is quite exciting actually yeah quite cool adds a little bit of i don't know cool 60s factor to this um christmas kid special right uh the book was illustrated entirely in colored pencil and the special sort of recreates that really brilliantly with with crayon and pastel yeah it's beautiful i, I love his his illustration style generally i've got um um, a little collection of the snowman and the two father Christmas books in like a little box. It's quite nice. My wife bought me for Christmas a few years ago. Oh, wow. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's nostalgic to get out and look at it, but whenever I do, I'm just always impressed by the simplicity uh, and the beauty of, of the artwork. And the same when I was watching the special again, um, recently for this, it, it's so simple. The artwork There's nothing complex about it. There's nothing, um, you know, I wouldn't say it was, you know, uh, a work of art in the way you might, it's not like perfectly designed faces and everything. It's all very simple and, and childlike almost, I suppose. Yes, Maybe that's, that's quite yeah. childlike. And that makes it quite, quite sweet and quite works quite well. Like uh, notice one bit in the cartoon special, there's a cat and the cat gets scared. And it becomes <laughs> a big ball of fuzz. And it's just such a simple drawing, just like a little cat face with lines coming off it from all around to make it look right. like it's all spiked up. But it's perfect. It captures that sort of, you know, that feeling and that moment perfectly in such a simple way. Um, so it's, it's impressive in its simplicity, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's what made it stand out for me as a kid because I drew a lot when I was very little. Be- between that art style and the fact that this takes place in a very snowy landscape, this makes the whole special just feel like it was actually drawn on paper. Yeah, it feels very, again, sort of child, um, 
child friendly and family friendly and just mm-hmm. lovely and cozy in that respect. Yeah, it's that coziness of it, which again is perfect for Christmas and makes you feel that sort of um cozy, you know, wrap underneath a blanket sort of festive vibes right. in, in the, the way it's it's stylized and 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 drawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like the book, the special has no dialogue. It's almost entirely mm-hmm. wordless, save for one song, which we'll get to. Yeah, an unusual choice. But yeah, again, it works for that coziness, I think, that the, the sort of soundtrack and the visuals work where I suppose maybe, you know, if you're getting a voice actor in to do something, it might ruin that magic. It, it, yeah. Obviously, it's hard to tell with because with, with, we've never seen it with with a voice. But I feel like, you know, if you had them chatting to each other for half an hour. Well, that's. That's a good point, because I remember looking up the soundtrack, because the music is another thing that just stands out for me uh, with this special. The music was composed by Howard Blake, uh, who also scored the non-Queen portions of the movie Flash Gordon, which I did not know, and that's amazing. (laughs) Again, very interesting. Like the people, uh, the Beatles, the Queen, we're getting all these very interesting uh, connections to British pop music. Mm -hmm. But when I was searching for this on Apple Music a few years ago, there are two versions of the soundtrack. There's apparently some sort of audiobook version that speaks over it and sort of a s- retells the story. Yeah, like a narrator narrative. Yeah, yeah. and it was just it it threw me off. I didn't like it. I, I wouldn't I understand why it's there, I guess for somebody. I don't I don't know if it's for a visually impaired person to sort of explain what's going on, but Yeah. I haven't heard that version. That's quite strange. It's I forget the names attached to it, but it's odd. I have the um, the the soundtrack on vinyl. The oh original. wow, oh, oh nice the William Blake one, which is very beautiful to put on in Christmas time. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. lovely designed vinyl with like you know the the sort of the snowman and the boy on the front cover. Oh wow, um, and it's just just the pure soundtrack along with again the song that that appears in the uh, special as well. <laughs> That's really nice. One of my special Christmas vinyls. Very nice. Well, uh, now let's talk about the opening scenes to this special, because like so many things I've covered on this podcast, there are a few (laughs) versions of this. It makes it more complicated, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, The original broadcast featured Raymond Briggs himself walking through a snowy field on a very bleak looking day, as he recalls, a very similar morning from when he was a boy. I remember that winter because it brought the heaviest snow that I had ever seen. Snow had fallen steadily all night long. And in the morning, I awoke in a room filled with light and silence. The whole world seemed to be held in a dreamlike stillness. It was a magical day, and it was on that day I made the snowman. Yeah, nice and traditional. That again, I I only actually saw that one um, as an adult on YouTube. I think I, I I never saw that one on television when I was younger. It wasn't on any of the televised specials that I saw. Uh, oh, really? The second one, yeah, only the second and third ones were the ones that I saw growing up on TV. So when I, again, was a bit older and started researching and Google was a thing and YouTube was mm-hmm. a thing and I Googled or YouTubed the snowman intro and that one came up, the first one with Raymond Briggs. I was like, this this isn't right. Where's What's this from? And then <laughs> found out, oh, okay, no, that this is actually the original first ever one that was on the first ever proper airing of this special. Well, your story sounds pretty much exactly like mine. I didn't know there was an original of this until, yeah, showed up on YouTube as an adult. Um, but then Snowman gets nominated for an Academy Award in 1983, and now American TV networks want to run it, but they apparently <laughs> weren't keen on this intro with Briggs. Yeah, I think it was maybe a bit too uh, just an unknown old man, maybe, to the Americans. <laughs> it's a bit Perhaps. Too- 
Shoot British, and it's yeah, yeah. Maybe. But I found an interview with executive producer Ian Harvey to The Guardian, uh, where he says he didn't realize that in the U.S. programs were sponsored. Oh, yeah. And to be sponsored, you needed a big name. So they got a big name in David Bowie. This attic's full of memories for me. We spent all our summers by the seaside. And in winter, at home, by the fire. Frost on the window. And snow. Snowballs and making snowmen. One winter I met a really big snowman. He got this scarf for me. You see, he was a real snowman. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my other love of life, babe, of my life. I've got Christmas and I've got Bowie. Those are my two <laughs> loves of my life. It's a good pairing. Yeah, I've got like, oh, again, on my vinyl shelf, I've got like a whole Bowie section and a whole Christmas section that take oh, up, wow. you know, a good half of my vinyl, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that taking up a good bit of your shelf. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, Bowie appearing on this special was, was probably my earliest Bowie reference in life. You know, before I was listening to music when I was just a little child, I didn't know who Bowie was beyond maybe just music being played in the background on the radio and then seeing him on this and then seeing him in the labyrinth as well with the two (laughs) things that are my childhood sort of awakening of who is this man? Who is this strange, unusual, exciting man? And then into teenage music fandom and haven't looked back since really that is exactly my timeline with david bowie this is the version (laughs) i grew up with of the snowman this is where i first saw david bowie before i even knew he was a musician i knew him as the guy in the attic from the snowman (laughs) and then he was uh, jarathan labyrinth because i grew up in a muppet household (laughs) Uh, so before bowie came on board some other big names that were suggested were sir lawrence olivier and julie andrews that mm. would have been something. Very different from Bowie. <laughs> very, very different from Bowie. Yeah, but but someone requested a rock star, and that's how we got to Bowie, who was already a big fan of Raymond Briggs' work, particularly when the wind blows. Yes, he did. I've got again on vinyl. I've got the uh, single that he he recorded a single for the TV version of When the Wind Blows. Right, uh, a very poignant, sober, quite sad song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found on very recently, actually, I was uh, on a trip to another city um, over the summer, a place called Bristol, and in a record okay. shop they yep. had it on ten um, inch vinyl. You know, like a big single. Uh, oh, wow. And I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That's it. That's my next purchase. Fifteen pounds into the bag." Um, so that's added <laughs> to my Bowie collection now. Very nice. Uh, but Bowie was reportedly happy to do the snowman intro, gets a scarf out of a trunk in his attic. My old VHS copy that my mom has since burned onto a DVD is just so dark. You can barely see him, but some clips <laughs> I've watched online have either been restored or enhanced. So the scarf really pops in that scene when I watch it on YouTube. Yeah, the, it's, it's a little snowman on it, isn't it? It's blue, very mm-hmm. bright blue with little the snowman basically sort of dotted around it. Right. Uh, and he kept the scarf yes i saw this story on on twitter i think it was going on twitter wasn't it yes so i think you were the one who showed me this yeah i might have retweeted it david bowie's son only found the scarf again last year was it someone kept it and then gave it to him or something or did he keep it? i can't remember now i can't remember the story so so david bowie's son is duncan jones he's a director if you saw the warcraft movie from a few years ago he directed (laughs) that source code with jake gyllenhaal that's a duncan jones movie 
Uh, here he was looking in storage boxes for sock monkeys, of all things, <laughs> and found the snowman scarf in, in his attic, I guess, or in storage. See, I don't find anything like that in my attic. Well, my attic, it's just old action, old toys from when I was a child that have been broken and, and destroyed and a broken, I think we've still got a broken guitar that I put up there when I tried to learn guitar for about a month and then gave up and just chucked it in the attic. <laughs> I've got nothing valuable at all up there. No, I just, it... I don't keep anything up in my attic because it's just a crawl space and I live in Florida, <laughs> so everything would melt. So, <laughs> But the look on Duncan Jones's face in this picture he tweeted is priceless. So I'm going to put yeah. that in the show notes too. He's overjoyed <laughs> and I get it. Yeah, I would love a scarf like that as well. I, I oh, don't really? know why they haven't mass marketed them. I think that would, if they sold them here in England, especially those scarves. I'm surprised they don't. Yeah, you'd think they'd make a lot of money, you know, especially Christmas sure. time as a gift for people. Mm-hmm. But then finally in 2002, for the special's 20th anniversary, Channel 4 produced a third intro of an animated Father Christmas watching the snowman on Channel 4. <laughs> ah, about time for the snowman. Come on, come on, out the way, out the way. You know, I was actually there more than 20 years ago when it all happened. Yeah. I hosted the party and came James's scarf. Yeah. Oh, it really did snow that night. <laughs> Even had me grounded. But in the morning, everything was twinkly and alive and touched with magic. Yeah, so this was the Father Christmas from the other Raymond Briggs Father Christmas book and TV special. So, again, that very British beloved Father Christmas character sitting and watching the special. That's another special I want to get to at some point. That's a good one. Yes, that's very good. Yes. And if you haven't watched that one, I did not realize the voice of Father Christmas is Mel Smith. Yes, yeah, a very funny comedian, um, and uh, a bit, again, a bit of a British national treasure as well over here. That is quite beloved for his quite um, sort of absurd and silly. It's almost a bit childish comedy in the way that if you ever watched any of his actual sort of comedy on television and stuff, he has some comedies in the eighties and seventies here on British television that were very, very funny and absurd, especially for their time in the 80s, you know, quite absurdist comedy stuff and weird sketches. And I think I think he, if I'm getting correctly, I think he also did um, a Christmas song as well with Kim Wilde, um, oh, okay. um, a cover of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Oh, really? I haven't heard that yeah. one. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think Mel Smith is very well known over here. Probably for a lot of Americans, the thing that we would know him best from is The Princess Bride. Yeah. He's the albino in the pit of despair, and he has what I think is the funniest, most underrated line in the movie. Where am I? The pit of despair. Don't even think. <coughs> Don't even think about trying to escape. <laughs> See, as a Princess Bride, that's I've only seen that film once. So I need to. I watched it about. Eight years ago, again, it's not as big a cultural thing as it is in America here. Just it, people that like it, people that like it, like it, if that makes sense. And I had an American <laughs> said, you need to watch this. So I went away and watched it. I, I did love it. But it was about eight years ago. I need to, I need to rewatch it. That's wow. like, needs to be my rewatch list. Yeah, that that's another one that I watched just incessantly because it was on a tape and I fell in love with it. And yeah, that became a year. It's very that. much a, yeah, a nostalgia film. Absolutely. You know, like, like the Goonies and like it's yep. just a film that you you watch for that buzz of nostalgia of, of childhood again that's exactly it uh, and i understand why they did this new intro for the 20th anniversary and with this intro but they also cropped the special to 16 by 9 stop doing that <laughs> yeah uh, is, is the age of television not really thinking about no. the 
quality it was just put it on put it on just put it on who cares yeah and especially with televisions as they are now you, you you know it's such an important factor to, to to consider right do you have disney plus i do yes yeah okay do you have the simpsons over there yeah 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 all the series yeah are you familiar with the whole controversy where they when they first put the simpsons on disney plus that was also cropped to 16 by 9 i didn't see that no with the simpsons like they even cropped out some visual gags that didn't make sense anymore because it was cropped and enlarged. <laughs> so, and it was just so poorly received and they ended up finally adding a toggle switch to watch the old seasons in their original format, which I immediately turned on. I don't know what they think. Do they think people will be like, Oh, this is wrong shape. And then immediately turn it off. I don't know what they imagine would happen if you have it in the original shape, just because your TV is not shaped like that. I it- think people remember a time where, we all had the four by three box TVs yeah. and people would rent movies that are in widescreen format and they would complain about the bars on the top and bottom <laughs> and they don't want to go back to that and people complaining about bars on the sides. But true. But again, it's a very different purpose for the bars on the side, I suppose. It's yes. you're seeing the whole thing rather than right. you know, the whole thing cramped. So we had these uh, three intros now, but after Mel Smith died in 2013, I guess someone at Channel 4 decided, well, he's gone. Want to bring Bowie back? <laughs> so yeah Bowie proved more popular obviously okay so the annual runnings now have Bowie intro and the four by three aspect in all in its lo-fi glory yep exactly back to back to the what I love best from the 90s basically back to my childhood <laughs> that's what I want there you go <laughs> and that brings us into our special proper as we switch to animation and our title card and I really like how the letters start black and then fill with white snow that's a nice touch yeah, again, it's just so thoughtful and, and, and cozy and beautiful, all these little touches of the animation. It's obviously a very well, you know, very well crafted, I'd say, um, in terms of those little touches that you can see. And in some of the pieces we see later, the little sort of, because again, it's so simple, but just has that little effect of, of sort of taking you into the scene and drawing you into the story, drawing yes. you into the characters. Mm-hmm. And then they have an owl swooping across the screen at us. And here's where I have to tell a weird story. <laughs> okay. A few years ago, I saw a video on Facebook. It's actually from the BBC of a snowy owl in flight caught in a traffic camera. And the still photo reminded me of this opening scene. So I shared it with a comment on Facebook. I keep waiting for David Bowie to show up and start talking about that snowman he made one time. <laughs> I go to bed, wake up, see a friend comment. Did you post this before or after he died? And I'm like, wait, what? Here I posted this the night David Bowie died. That's weird. And didn't learn about it yet. Worst coincidence ever. I'm going to say, yeah, it's your fault, basically. It's your fault. That's, yeah. that's uh, say, yeah. I don't want to be responsible for having <laughs> killed David Bowie. I think I yeah. think he was dead by the time I shared it, but no one realized it <laughs> You yet, didn't know. So. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'll accept no. that excuse. All right. <laughs> I didn't do it, guys. <laughs> so back you and the owl. Yeah, the owl. Well, yeah, you can blame the owl. (laughs) But back to this special, we pan across a very snowy countryside to a large house, and we zoom inside to find a small boy asleep in bed. I assumed it was supposed to be young David Bowie, but his name in this special turns out to be James. Yeah, Bowie sort of says, I remember, and gets the scarf out like this is his story, which, again, confused me as a child as well, especially as I got older and someone found out this is David Bowie's very famous rock star. I'm like, well... 
why is he telling the story? Uh, I got quite confused about that for a little while. I remember when I was younger. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not him. It's it's James, but it's imagining it's him. I suppose it's Bowie's character of James. He's playing. There you go. Yes, <laughs> he's playing. He's playing a part. And Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, there James from um, this <laughs> man. <laughs> that explains the red hair. Yeah. <laughs> Wakes up super excited to see it snowing in his enormous backyard. Quickly gets dressed, and I forget I forget this every year as I watch it, but the kid opts to go commando with no underpants. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that you see his little bare butt for just like right. a few seconds as well. Just a little frames of some bums. Again, almost just very something very British about that. I just and it's something people just couldn't get away with it nowadays, which is weird. You just couldn't show a, a small boy's bum on television. No, you couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, there you get a nice little flash of bum, you know, just to show you there he is in all his glory. Yep. And yeah. Commando style, comfy, obviously. Uh, might be a bit cold, as was my thought, actually watching it back as an adult now. That was my thought. He's putting on jeans over his bare bum to go play in the snow. <laughs> Not a good idea. No. Brave lad. <laughs> Runs downstairs past his dad and mom, uh, grabs a pair of socks and his boots. Mom puts on a wool hat over his head and immediately falls off as he runs out into the snow. <laughs> I love the again that that thrill and that excitement yes. of, of playing in new snow that he's just so hyped about it. And again, that that is as childhood in a in a nutshell, that sort of, you know, it's snowing, oh my god, outside we go. Especially for someone like um you know, if you don't live in a snowy climate, which I don't, or in, in England, we get snow very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're in Orlando, I'm not sure if you see snow ever down there. <laughs> no, I, but I grew up uh, north in New Jersey, so. Okay, so there is snow, yeah, yeah. I've had my share of white Christmases, but my kids have never seen substantial amounts of snow. No, no. But it's just that excitement when it does happen, you know, that rare occasion when you wake up and the world is a different shade of, of, of beautiful, pure white and yes. run out into that crisp snow. And there's that excitement. Mm-hmm. of, and, and I love the sort of, you know, his excitement in that, that everything from the getting dressed. And then when he's running out and he's walking around in circles, he's jumping on things. He's making a snowball. It's just that sort of thrill and the music as well is matching that excitement. Oh, know, the music is great. Childhood. Especially when he first walks out there, he kind of runs out and he just stands there for a second and takes it all in. Yes, for yeah. a beat, and then he stomps around a little bit, or making a snowball, flings it at his own house, hitting yeah. the window, gets scolded <laughs> gets by trouble. his mother. <laughs> at least he didn't break a window. Have you ever broken a window, Adam? Um, no, not personally. I've been with a friend that's broken a window, but I managed to avoid the blame even though i'm pretty sure i might have been the goading individual in a who's a, a friend of a friend's like little they had a little outhouse in their garden i think they were oh, playing dear. football or soccer right and uh i was demanding he shoot the ball as hard as he could at me it I just didn't i know 12 years old hit me as hard yeah. as he can with the ball then moved out of the way and the ball into the outhouse window <laughs> and his parents actually they were american they were um from um Georgia, uh, and okay. uh, they'd moved over recently, and they were not very happy with their son's new friends that had come over to teach them this game of football. Oops. <laughs> I broke a window. I think it was a street hockey ball that I hit into a friend's window, so that came out of my allowance for a few weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to happen. But James got a little luckier than we did. Uh, Mom shouts out the window, apparently telling him to go play farther away from the house. Which is fine here. In that giant garden, yeah. Yeah, he's got plenty of room to play because he lives in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Next, we see James begin to roll a big snowball that 
turns into him just shoveling more on top to create a big mound of snow that's taller than he is. Yeah, it's 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 a straight like I, when you imagine a snowman, I suppose you imagine the snowballs on top of each other. It's that sort right. of look. But he opts starts with that and then just decides to create a a, a hill, almost a mount, giant sort of oval mound rather than the sort of traditional snowman, which I never really, I've never thought about that before, that the traditional, if I was asked to draw a snowman or a kid, would they do the circles on top of each other, you know, getting smaller? But it doesn't look, the snowman doesn't look like that. He's one big, long oval shape with a little round head, basically, which is quite an unusual snowman shape and design. It is. It, it works here just to when later on the snowman's moving around, it makes sense for yeah. him to have legs, but I'm surprised kids, especially uh, over where you are, don't build more snowmen like that after seeing this special every year. Yeah. I, I never tried it. I suppose I, I do. I, I, again, we haven't never had that much snow to build many snowmen, unfortunately, or okay. all seems to come in, in sort of mid January rather than December, maybe. So maybe ah. there's less of a snowman impetus. Um, but I do remember one Christmas where my cousins were over and it snowed quite heavily. And we made, we tried to make a snowman in the garden, a normal traditional snowman. And right. it, we just, I don't know what it was. We were just maybe terrible design individuals. And it ended up <laughs> looking like, and this is what we called it a snow mouse more than a snowman. <laughs> it had some weird body shape going on. We tried to put the head together. And it looked like it had little snow, uh, like mouse ears. Uh, so we just turned it into a snow mouse in the engine. You know, put some whiskers on it with some like um, string. Um, yeah, put a little black, you know, uh, button nose for a, a mouse. Um, yeah, so we had a snow mouse instead of a snowman, unfortunately, which would have been a bit more scary if that came alive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so James gets called in for tea, but he spends his whole time just staring out the window at a snow pile. Comes back out with a step stool to put the head on top of the pile, which again, I. I'm surprised I didn't try for for this sort of snowman shape. Uh, and now that I live in Florida, it practically never snows here, so I'll never get the chance. But <laughs> you never get a chance. Yeah, maybe uh, next time it snows, I'll try and send there you a picture. Go. Perfect. Yeah, I'll post it online. Uh, but you know what, Florida does have tangerines. Yep. <laughs> which is what James uses for the snowman's nose. Which again, yep. I think I like better than the carrot. Yeah, non-traditional. Again, it's a bit more interesting. A bit more, I suppose cozy little round orange and, and oranges as well i think are quite a traditional christmas gift in in, in you know oh that's um, right yeah you know putting them in the stocking is quite um all the way back to the victorian age i think an orange was a very special I think gift so. to get mm -hmm. at christmas time so maybe there's some connection there i don't know if there's maybe some relation or maybe that's just me making a christmas connection oh could be but james puts the finishing touches on a snowman including a hat a scarf some bits of coal for the eyes and body and just draws a smile on him with a finger and stands back and admires his work like every artist should. A very well-made snowman for a little boy is on his really own as well. Is. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. Well-defined legs, arms, all there. You know, it's very well-molded. It's yeah. like a sculpture more than a snowman. Right. I guess when you have the time and no one around to bother you. <laughs> yeah. Goes back inside before it starts to get dark. And again, just stares out the window all night at his snowman. And here's something I didn't notice until this time watching it. His dad is sitting by the fire with a piece of bread on a toasting fork. Yeah, I, I, obviously making toast, I suppose. But I guess. I, I, I think that's quite an old-fashioned thing to do. I think, you know, in Britain probably a long time ago, that was slightly more common. You know, if you didn't have a toaster, it, you, that's how you'd do it, or an oven, a toaster oven. Perhaps. This is supposed to be Raymond Briggs' childhood, so yeah, that's going exactly. back to the 1940s. But I've never seen anyone toast bread like that over their own fireplace. But 
No, I, I think I have done it before at a festival when we oh, yeah? Uh, didn't. Yeah, when we had some a music festival. Um, okay. I went to quite a lot of music festivals as a teenager, and you'd often not have the right things that you need. And we took some bread, but obviously no toaster. And I decided. I think we decided to try and make toast because we had a little fire pit going on. Sure. Um, I can't remember how well it worked out. I think it, it toasted, but I think it burned before it actually toasted. If <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. That I don't think our toasting skills after um, a couple of drinks in the middle of a field at a festival <laughs> probably. <laughs> Scratch. Well, it's getting late, so James's parents send him up to bed. We see him brush his teeth and take a few last looks at his snowman out the window before hopping in bed. See him toss and turn for a bit before waking up around midnight. Tips to- tiptoes down the stairs as the clock strikes 12 and looks out of the window to see a sparkle of light come from his snowman. <laughs> turns around and smiles at him through the window. <laughs> uh, again, watching it this this uh, very recently, I realized how terrifying that would be in real life. Imagine you build a snowman in your garden. You know, you get up at midnight to get a drink of water. You look out into the garden and a, a snowman turns its head to look at you. That is the <laughs> stuff of horror movies. That right? is literally horror film. Like, it would be horrifying. If I was a child, I'd be running screaming back up to mom and dad. That's my note. By some miracle, he doesn't scream <laughs> and wake up his parents, but he steady goes outside to meet the guy. <laughs> my first thought would be either is the demon coming to get me or <laughs> someone who's dressed up as a snowman, a serial killer to come and kill me. Right. Those would be my two options. Not lock the door, make friends with this guy. Well, but snowman tips James his hat. Trusting. Yeah. Maybe the tip of the hat. That's it. It's trusting tips. His hat shakes his hand and James invites him inside because why not? He made him. <laughs> hey, snowman, come into my house and hang out with me in the living room where there's a hot coal on the fire. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't realize that sooner. I suppose he's a child, but uh Yeah. Yeah, there's a big old blazing fire behind you, Mr. Snowman. Just right. be a bit careful. Yeah, well, first off, I don't know how safe it is to leave the coals burning overnight inside your house. No, even, even yeah, um, I, I think even back in, in the 1930s, I don't think that's a good idea. No. I think even probably more so than actually. <laughs> yeah. Probably when our fire alarms or mm-hmm. those sort of security systems. Sure. And secondly, don't invite your snowman to hang out by the fire. <laughs> Snowman pets the family cat, and you were talking about this earlier, who has the correct reaction to a living, moving snowman. (laughs) Yeah, I love the cat's reaction. It's just a ball of fuzz. Like, again, I've had cats when I was younger, and when they get scared, that sort of every single hair and bit of fur goes up on Mm -hmm. end, and they screech off into the darkness. And that's exactly what he does. Again, exactly what I would probably do if I saw that snowman trying to pet me as well. Uh, the snowman stumbles into and almost knocks over the family Christmas tree. Look, a Christmas tree, because it's a Christmas special, people. Yeah, one little Christmas tree, very small little Christmas. There's no other Christmas decorations in the house, I noticed, uh, which, again, might just be a, a 1930s British you know, household sort of thing. But uh, it could be. I did notice that there was yeah, a lack of Christmas in the house, apart from that very small, very cute Christmas tree in the corner. <laughs> Well, it seems to be sort of a last-minute addition because now in Raymond Briggs's original book, it was not a Christmas book. There's no Christmas no. tree there. He has commented saying that he thought it was a bit corny for the special to drag in Christmas, but he added it worked extremely well. Yeah. If you're making a story about a snowman, it's not anyone else's fault if they think, oh, this might be about Christmas. A snowman are tied up with Christmas. They have been for a very long time. Oh, yeah. You can't blame us for doing that, I don't think. Which I don't think he says it was done well, so I suppose he accepted it in the end. Sure, yeah, he's not hurting at all by it, but uh, no, no, 
probably made a pretty penny off it as well. Exactly. <laughs> so this TV special is indeed a Christmas special, and the tree solidifies it. James turns it on, and he and the snowman take turns making faces in the ornaments. And then he shows the snowman the television, which the snowman just stares at, mesmerized by a few seconds. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's meant to be some sort of uh, criticism of TV. You know, that's like, what I oh, thought. look at it, you know, hypnotizing and it's really bad for you. It, it's ruining him. I, d- I don't know. I thought it was only so brief, but it did look a bit like he was, you know, it looked negative in his uh, staring at the TV. Yeah, could, I could go either way with that. We don't see what actually is on the TV. All we see is static, but. Yeah, it's entrancing him. Yeah, but after a few seconds, the snowman starts to feel a bit woozy. And first I wondered, (laughs) oh, is the TV not good for snowmen? But (laughs) no, he's finally starting to feel the heat coming from the fireplace. So James takes him out of the living room and into the kitchen. It's a snowman's weakness is fire, I'd say. Well, yep. (laughs) Uh, So the snowman's now fascinated a bit by the light switch in the kitchen and then the cold and hot water faucets before focusing on. Now, is this a cake? Yes, I think it's a Christmas cake, basically, like a decorated okay. Christmas cake. I, I don't know. Uh, you do get Christmas cakes, which are mm-hmm. quite a traditional thing where usually again covered in icing with some sort of Christmas, uh, you know, little marzipan or, or, or plastic little uh, trees or whatever you get on top of it. Okay. Um, that would be then eaten over the course of Christmas or given as a gift or taken to a party. Um, so I assume it's that sort of classic Christmas cake. Okay, and the, well, and that's exactly what's on top of this one. It's a tree and a snowman topper that looks exactly like this snowman. So he admires yeah. that for a bit before finding a bowl of fruit. <laughs> I, I like how he's sort of fascinated by everything as well, which he would be. He's, he's just come sure. to life for the first time, and he's yeah amazed by the lights, amazed by the taps, and then amazed by a bowl of fruit. You know, these strange things he's never seen or heard of before. But he immediately knows I need to get these. I need to put these on my nose straight away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is one of the scenes I remember the most from this special. Maybe not the most iconic, but this scene always gets the biggest laugh for me because he replaces his tangerine nose with a variety of table fruits. Do you yeah. have a favorite? Um, I quite like the cherry. I think it's cherry. It's tiny little, tiny little the one. The tiny little one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the pineapple. It's got to be the pineapple. The pineapple's yeah. the best one. Just the absurdity of whacking a whole great pineapple on his face, basically. And <laughs> right. it's somehow just becoming a nose as well. Like, you know, it doesn't fall off because it's a giant pineapple. He just uses it as a nose. Sure, and it stays on there, tickles James in the face with it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the banana is also not a bad look compared to some of the others he picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's closer to that original carrot, I suppose. That sure, there you go, on. yeah. Uh, yeah. Like an apple and a pear or the others, and they're all right. Yeah. The cherry's nice as well. Uh, Snowman then decides to look through all the kitchen cabinets, which is weird. But I guess if you've never been inside a house before and you've only been alive for five minutes, to your point, that's fine. He doesn't know what's in there. He's looking for no. more fruit, maybe. Perhaps. Uh, but he finally finds the refrigerator and takes a moment to enjoy the cool air coming from it. We see a ray of light coming from inside, from the light inside of the fridge, which they also used on the TV earlier, this sort of spotlight effect. Yeah, that sort of glow almost mm-hmm. coming out. Just yeah. quite interesting animation as well. I quite like that. Yeah, I like that glowing effect they pulled off in this colored pencil world. And then our next stop on the tour of James's house is his parents' bedroom. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. And I don't quite understand how how they don't wake the the parents. So they go into the bedroom and proceed to just pretty much use and try on and look at everything in the bedroom, open up the cupboard, 
try on clothes and and complete silence all the way through apparently i don't know how the 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 adults must be the most heavy sleepers you ever did uh, encounter, surely. That is exactly my note. They are extremely sound sleepers. I'm a fairly sound sleeper. I don't always wake up when my kids come into our bedroom in the middle of the night. But if they ever came in and started walking around and playing with a giant <laughs> snowman and putting on yeah. our clothes. Putting on jewelry, I think. Opening doors. You know, we have some, sure. a, a big cupboard. And whenever you open that big cupboard, it's quite, it, it just it makes a noise. It's a bit creaky. It's it, a bit, you know, sticks. It, I don't right. know. They must have some very well oiled up uh, hinges on those cupboards. Perhaps. To make si- completely silent noises. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing we see the snowman focus on is a pair of false teeth in a glass of water. Yeah. And, and this scared me as a child. This is the one part of the special <laughs> that I remember when I was a kid, I'd always be a little bit scared of. Uh, and then when I watched it years later, my mum would always be like, oh, you'd always be scared of this bit. And it's, yeah, he puts on those big, scary false teeth in his mouth and does this horrible, horrible grimace smile. Yeah. Just, and it's <sighs> off-putting completely. He shouldn't have teeth. He's a snowman. So no. it just, it horrified me. It's something weird about it. It's like, it, unnatural <laughs> the whole scene seems unnatural because i'm they must be dad's teeth because they're on his side of the bed yeah i hope so they seem like a younger couple probably our age now but to have yeah. such a young boy but we do see a pipe so maybe that ruined his teeth exactly we are british are quite well known for our bad teeth as well there is that oh. stereotype <laughs> for good reason obviously don't smoke kids yeah <laughs> Uh, then, right, to his point, tries on mom's face cream and rouge in the van in the mirror. Yeah, quite, I suppose, um, um, uh, what's the word? Gender positive, in a way, in the same man. You <laughs> yeah, know, he doesn't, he doesn't and- think, he just tries on some makeup, tries on a pipe, tries on some, you know, it's just absolutely, I'll, I'll try whatever. I don't care about whether I'm a boy or a girl. Yeah, there's a nice mix of <laughs> both mom and dad's clothes. And <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't look weird for the snowman to be dressed in anything. He's just like, all right, here's <laughs> no. a snowman with weird clothes. What do you put exactly. on a real snowman in real life? Weird clothes, just whatever you exactly. can find. We're rolling with it, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but James finally gets the snowman out of there when the f- perfume makes the snowman have to sneeze and it's the old cartoonish sort of sneeze build up where it's just like uh, uh. <laughs> and sneezing he, that or- orange I, again how is he sneezing through an orange as well where's where's he hey smelling yeah. through i'm not a single logist- as an adult it ruins all your childish perceptions <laughs> and i'm trying to logistically think where is nostrils in this orange did he poke two holes in it is it going in through the pores i uh, is too much just i just have to push that out of my brain as an adult yeah i didn't even think about that part but that's a good point <laughs> these sneeze orange juice all over the place uh, again lots of oh, probably <laughs> just wakes up and the floor sticky that's not even that wakes up the parents despite the no. horns and the flute and the soundtrack suggesting it was a loud sneeze i got a feeling the parents are on some sort of sleeping tablets or something oh, there must they? be something going on there yeah uh, again, the music is a real star of the special to me, which gets a chance to shine some more as we go into James's room. And the snowman finds a music box and they dance around for a bit. Yeah, nice little bit of fun dancing again, not waking up the parents, more music being played and stomping about. But oh, well, the parents are fast asleep now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, it's that sort of childish silliness, isn't it? That's sort of being, again, as a kid, when you're watching this, there's that just that wonder and that excitement of everything of, of of dancing around of making silly faces of doing silly things it's all very silly and and it, when you watch that when you're a kid that's perfect it's absolutely perfect yeah it's exactly what you would do with a snowman if you're inviting him into your bedroom <laughs> and to hang out yeah uh, 
It's mostly the snowman gliding around and dancing on one roller skate before crashing into a tower of balloons that <laughs> James yeah. just has in a corner of his room for some reason, still perfectly blown up. Maybe it was his birthday recently? I, Could I don't be. know. I can't think of any other reason why you'd have a little balloons in your room. Now I need to look up, did Raymond Briggs have a December birthday? Raymond Briggs, born January 18th. Okay. Okay. The other side. Yep. See, that's why it's not a Christmas book. <laughs> but after that, we're back out in the hallway and the snowman looks out of the front window and notices something outside hinted under a black tarp. And he really wants to know what's under there. And since the boy who invited a snowman inside by the fireplace has no better judgment, <laughs> out they go to find a motorcycle. Yeah. And and more, um, well, actually not more, I suppose, but just a rather dangerous uh, precedent, I think. You know, if you have a friend over, just get on the motorbike with your, with your oh, new sure. friend and off you go. Nope. <laughs> don't worry about safety. Don't worry about helmet. Nope. Does the kid have a helmet? I can't no, yeah, remember. No, they have helmets. Yeah, I remember, I remember the snowman putting a helmet on and then the kids somehow appearing a helmet from somewhere. I mean, maybe it's his dad's and they ride it together, potentially, was my thought. I think it, he gives the snowman the helmet and I guess he has his... That's his side, yeah, so his own. So maybe he does ride it with his dad. Yeah, he must maybe know safety first. But yeah, but then let's the snowman again, who doesn't know how a light switch works, or <laughs> <laughs> man this giant machine capable of traveling at hundred sure. miles an hour through through a dark woods as well. It's not. And they go off on this journey and may find their way into some woods in a moment. We're going to talk about, I'm sure. Oh yeah. None of this is safe. None of this. Again, as an adult, I'm like, if my child set off on a motorbike with a snowman through the woods who had never ridden a motorbike before, I'm probably getting a phone call from the police that night. Sure. Yeah, but no one else is around. <laughs> uh, a lot of this scene is in first-person view, so we see a lot of dodging through trees and recklessly yeah. speeding past animals. Yeah, I quite like all the animals sort of, you know, being almost run over, basically, by yeah. the snowman, the fox, and the owl, and the rabbits, all just darting out the way mm -hmm. of this terrifying snowman joyride. Yeah, I do like watching this scene. Uh, and that yellow spotlight effect is back. It works great here. The motorcycle is not in the book. They sit in the car and don't drive it anywhere. But one of the animators yeah. was an avid motorcyclist, so it's a bike, which fits great. This whole scene is beautifully animated, even for this special. Mm. And again, it's that sense of excitement, isn't it? It's that sort of rush of, of you know, when you're a kid and you've got little toy bikes and cars mm -hmm. and you drive them around. And I had a little, um, you know, sit on bike when I was a kid and I'd pretend to rev it up and drive around the garden. So nice. there's that thrill of that excitement as well. Yep. And they circle back home and the snowman either has saddle sores or the heat of the engine melts his legs a little, but they're sort of glowing. So <laughs> James takes him in to an icebox in his garage. It's a large freezer chest and the snowman climbs in, lies down with a bag of peas on his head. <laughs> then he finds a box of frozen fish and just stares at it for a few seconds. Yeah, it's very mournful of this. I was trying to figure out why. Is it, is it the is it like some is the trees on it? Is it looks at the trees. I'm guessing it's the trees. There are mountains on it. It's a picture yeah. of two fish swimming in a pond that's beneath pine trees and large snowy mountains. So I guess that yeah. makes the snowman frown and sort of look off in the distance. But yeah, long for that place, I suppose. I guess this is where the music takes a turn, and James follows him back outside. Like, hey, buddy, what's wrong? And here we go. <laughs> <laughs> snowman takes james by the hand starts running through the yard and then they take off flying 
and we finally made it to the scene of this special, Walking in the Air. We're walking in the air. We're floating in the moonlit sky. Here we go. Yeah, into the, the big hit song of, of the piece. The first time we hear any words as well, apart from the intro, I suppose, yeah. is in the song. Uh, and again, the snowman's... Ha- can magically fly as a child you completely accept the fact that a snowman can magically fly as a logical adult all the things he's done so far he showed no hint of magical abilities apart from coming to life but now he's like yeah i can fly by the way kid off we go sure well uh there's at least one copy of the book with annotated notes by raymond briggs and he wrote snowmen are made of snow which floats down from the sky so going up (laughs) there again seems natural true yeah absolutely that makes sense actually That's 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 all the logic you need uh, the song Walking in the Air is sung in the special by Peter Audy. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, I think it's Audy. Audy? Peter okay. Audy. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's Welsh. He's a Welsh um, okay. choir boy. Yeah, he was a 13-year-old choir boy at St. Paul's Cathedral when he sang this. He's currently an opera tenor who still performed. Yeah. But apparently there was a cover of a song that was so popular, many people think that's the original. Absolutely. And for a long time, I did. I did. As a child, I suppose you don't learn the name of Peter Alti. It's not something that I would have paid attention to. No, I mean, um, and, and if you ask most, I think a lot of British people, if you said who sings it, Walking in the Air in the Snowman, they'd say um, Alla Jones. That's the name they'd go to, Alla Jones, because a few years after the, the special came out, um, they wanted to record it as a single and release it. I think, I think it was for um, charity, I think. I read it was for a Toys R Us commercial. That was it. Yeah, it was Toys R Us. That's what it was for. Yeah, for a Toys R Us commercial, even better. Imagine a store the size of a sports field, crammed with thousands upon thousands of toys. All the games and models anyone could wish for and exciting new toys no one's ever seen. The dream has now come true. Toys are us. More toys than anyone in the whole wide world. You're watching Channel 4. And they... uh... The boy was, you know, couldn't sing it maybe as well because he's grown up a little bit since then. So his falsetto voice wasn't quite there. Yes. And so this boy, Alla Jones, was recommended, who was this choir boy. Um, uh, 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 he was Welsh, actually. And it became a huge, huge hit here. It was really popular, sold a lot. Um, and then over the years was the one that you'd hear played on the radio. So uh, if they played Walking in the Air, they'd play the Alan Jones version on you know radio or in shops and stuff. So then everyone just made the logical jump that that's the one from the special because they're very very similar. You know, they're, they're, the music's exactly the same and the voice sounds incredibly similar. It's a very beautifully high pitched young choral boy's voice. There's not you know much stylistic difference between the two of them. Um, so most people, me right. including, for a long time would say would have said. Alan Jones does that song, even in the special, when actually it was not, yeah. Okay. I had not heard this song outside of the special, so I had not heard this Alan Jones version until I was an adult. Uh, 
And it makes sense now that you say that, that it gets played on the radio or it did get played in the radio yeah, because every Christmas. This was the single that makes version, a lot more so that sense. was the one that then in future Christmas rotation on radio and in shops and and obviously on people at home, as a lot of people buy Christmas CDs, or, you know, compilations or whatever, this would be the mm-hmm. song that's on the, the Alan Jones one. Um, and it's a beautiful okay. song. It is really, really, it's sort of, to me, it goes hand in hand with Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone. You know, that sort of, Okay. Yeah, yeah just like very sort of beautiful, high-pitched choir uh, voice, children singing, um, quite um, almost a bit sad in a way as well. Both of them. There's a sort of sadness to them. Mm-hmm. There's that sort of they're not they're not uplifting songs. Yeah, really. they're quite sad songs. Um, no, yeah, sort yeah, of absolutely wistful. wistful. That's a good word for it. Um, but beautiful at the same time. And and it's a song that I I sort of yeah, it's, it's probably not as big elsewhere as it is here in Britain. And you don't get many covers of it because of that, because it's just this odd little British song that maybe doesn't get much airplay outside of British radio. You don't get many covers. And I quite like looking for interesting Christmas covers. So whenever one does pop up of this song, I'm always quite excited. Um, and, and one of the best ones, one of my favorite Christmas covers of the sort of, you know, ever is by a band called the Maccabees, who are a very a British hmm. indie band. Uh, they've had three or four albums. I think they sort of split up a couple of years ago, but they're one of my favorite bands when I was a teenager at uni. They were indie pop rock. So they were okay. like, I was a proper little indie kid at university, saw them yep. live a lot. And then they, for uh, I think it was for a radio show, they recorded the live version of, of Walking in the Air at Christmas, like a guitar rock indie version. Oh, wow. It's amazing. It's really, really good. It's, it's beautiful. It sort of captures the original, but adds this sort of guitar flair to it and this edge to it. Um, and yeah, you should definitely check that out if you haven't heard it. Oh, now I need to. Yeah. So James and the snowman circle over their farmland before other snowmen turn their heads upward and join in on their flight with them. Uh, And we get a better picture of where James lives at this point. We're flying over Brighton on England's southern coast. Yep, not far from me. I I live on that coast. I live about half an hour from Brighton. I I did live closer. I lived in, so Brighton is is, is, is a town on the south coast, it's a city called Brighton and Hove. Um, And Hove is just right next door. And I lived in Hove originally. Uh, And I've just moved further down the coast a little bit to buy a house. Um, But uh, it was only about half an hour into Brighton. Uh, And Brighton's a very, very famous cosmopolitan seaside city, quite arty, quite artistic. Uh, It's got the only, MP in the country who is part of the Green Party, which is like our environmental party. So oh. it's a very environmental city, has a, a large LGBTQ plus community and, and um, lots of artistic like shops and um, independent uh, sort of areas. Very popular for like lots of people come from London for like a weekend because it's the beach and there's lots of bars and clubs and shops and stuff. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. The, the two places they fly over in, in the snowman, they fly over a place called the, um, Royal Pavilion, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I don't know if you saw, it looks a bit like an Indian sort of. Um, okay. Yeah, that's the one that uh, palace. I saw. Yeah. I had to look which up. It's very odd. These. Yeah, which is, it was, um, again, when I remember first coming across to Brighton when I was younger, I'd, I'd come across from university to visit friends here. And I'd always be like, why is this Indian palace in the middle of Brighton? <laughs> uh, and, and it was built in the Victorian age for a king, and, and it was modeled on basically Indian architecture okay. and stuff it's a beautiful building i went there actually or oh, there's a little museum next door with a david bowie exhibition on at the moment to hey. david bowie uh, a photography exhibition of, of of david bowie um which is like in sort of in that building in the royal pavilion um i went to last week and it's it's got a museum and gallery and stuff in there um and then they fly over the pier as well brighton pier you can see yes. the 
uh, fight for, it's called the Palace Pier, um, which is there. Um, there's two piers in Brighton. There's one called the West Pier, which burnt down. Um, and it's just oh. a big husk. It's like a giant blackened husk. It's quite famous. And there's lots of birds nest on there. It's quite beautiful, actually. It burnt down like 40 years ago or something. Oh, wow. Uh, and then there's the Palace Pier, which is the one in the special, which is still around. And it's, you know, traditional seaside pier in Britain. It's got an arcade on it with lots of games. It's got um, a little fun fair on the end. You get fish and chips and, and snacks and stuff on it. Um, it it's, it's a nice day out, basically. Um, but those two places, yeah, signify Brighton, basically. You know, if you're English, you'd see those two and go, that's Brighton straight away. Okay. And in the book, this is where they stop. They don't continue yeah. on. They land at the pier. They see the sun rising and they head right back. But here we fly over the water. Uh, pass a party cruise ship and, <laughs> and one guy spots James and the snowman flying, looks down at his bottle of champagne in an I've had enough face. <laughs> I'd say that's, that's the one almost sort of adult joke in the special. You know, yes. it's mostly it's all for kids. And that's the one that maybe if you're a kid, you might not quite get what's going on if you don't quite notice. <laughs> so that's that little one for the, the adults watching, for the parents watching. There you go. Uh, and then they continue flying over the water, uh, up the North Sea, I'm guessing, and over the coast of Norway, including over this village where they fly past the window where a young girl's very surprised to see them and looks down at a Christmas card with Santa and his reindeer, very confused. <laughs> yeah, she bless her. She looks very confused with that. <laughs> and finally, they fly over the Arctic Ocean, over a whale, and then some penguins. <laughs> And I don't think I've had to bring this up on the podcast yet, but penguins don't live in the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, obviously the uh, the research had not gone into um, the researchers had not gone into detail enough on their uh, animal research for no. this. They got they got the British animals right in the countryside, and okay. then just gave up as soon as they got outside of England. Yeah, wrong pole, but fine. Yeah. We fly toward the Northern Lights and then land in front of a dark forest, which makes James look nervous and. That's accompanied by this eerie music, which is a nice touch. Yeah. Again, another dark forest. We went through the forest in the um, in, on the bike, and now we're back through some more creepy woods. It's just right. like, you know, how many red flags do you want, James? Like, <laughs> if, if I've got someone taking me through some creepy woods, I'm like, okay, I might just, you know, call the police at this point. There you go. But no, James just happily goes along. Sure. Snowman takes him by the hand, leads him into a clearing, and we find a large gathering of snowmen at the center of which we find Father Christmas. Yes, the Father Christmas. Uh, and again, this is uh, it's based on the Father Christmas from the other Raymond Briggs. Uh, ever so slightly different. In, 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 in If you watch the Father Christmas special, it looks ever so slightly different. But you can tell it's meant to be that Father Christmas. Yes, here he's wearing a kitchen apron uh, and he seems to be hosting a snowman party. <laughs> of course, as Father Christmas does every year. Yes. Um, we get a sequence where James dances with a group of snowmen. And I counted them all while they're dancing in a circle, and I counted 31. 31 snowmen. All wearing different hats from around the world. Yeah, I, I did pay attention to it. My, my favorite one was probably, did you see the um, the cowboy snowman? Yes, I'm thinking, all yes. right, which one's the American? <laughs> oh, it's the one with the gun. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. The one with the guns. Because, <laughs> you know, you need to make sure he brings guns to the party. Yeah. <laughs> so the Christmas, uh, Father Christmas's party. <laughs> And I did see a Scottish snowman as well. They did the they did yes. a bit of the um, in his kilt doing the Highland fling. I believe that's Scottish dance. Okay. Uh, there was a snowwoman as well. Uh, one snowwoman. Uh, it's a bit Just like uh, you know the Smurf Smurfette. One. <laughs> Yes. One individual female version of all of those. Just, you know, just you got to put one in there. Just to uh, yep. 
seem a little bit less sexist. Yeah. Um, also, I, I didn't know they could all eat and drink. They're yeah, eating they and have, drinking. Sure, they have just regular. They look like cupcakes and yeah. drinks. Yeah, got, like, someone's got like champagne or something. I'm sure yeah. someone's got a bottle of champagne swigging around so they can drink alcohol. Again, a whole other logistical, uh, where's the digestive system? Where's this going? Should they be drinking alcohol? I'm not sure, if, especially if they're flying. Uh, I know, there's lots of logistical things to consider here as an adult. <laughs> and and one, my, my other thought, again, about sort of going back to the creepiness of this, I suppose. Why is he the only snowman that bought a kid? Hey, There's yeah. no other kids there. He's the only one. He's the only one who woke up. Yeah, it must be. Maybe no, they've had him. to allow him. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a sacrificial thing is what I was maybe thinking at oh, first. Like, <laughs> one snowman brings one child each year to be sacrificed. And maybe Father Christmas is like, no, we can't do that. We can't do that anymore. Uh, or between that and sunrise and everybody else is asleep, James just happened to not be able to sleep. So he's the lucky one. He looked out. Yeah, exactly. Got invited to the snowman ball. And after the dance, Father Christmas takes James to see his reindeer and... Hey, since he's here, I might as well give you your Christmas present now. So this is where we see the name James. It's on the tag of his present. Yep. Uh, and again, this whole sequence is not in the book. The boy doesn't meet Father Christmas. He's not given a name. But one animator decided to put her boyfriend's name on the tag. And so we have James. That's quite sweet. I mean, like, you know, I, I think, did it say that they got married as well? The- yes, they are married. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, you would, that would be pretty bad if you, you know, it was your boyfriend and then you had a horrible breakup and then... You could never watch this special again. Oh, dear. <laughs> Glad that turned out to be a happy ending. Nothing you mentioned that. Uh, and inside the package is the scarf with the pattern of James's snowman, which... Yes, Duncan Jones's scarf. There yeah. you go. <laughs> when you think about that logistically, that's impressive. Yeah. He's, it's Santa, I suppose. It was Father Christmas. He knows. There you, you go. Know, he yeah. knows absolutely everything. He knew this was going to happen. He had it already and planned and prepped. The magic of Christmas. Exactly. Uh, but but speaking of James's snowman, he points at the sky, indicating it's time to go home. So James gives Father Christmas one last hug, and off they fly back home. The return flight's a lot shorter, but they get home just as the sun rises. Snowman waves goodbye as James goes to walk back inside his house, but he turns and gives the snowman one last hug before he goes in and back to bed. And the snowman turns around the way he was. James goes back to sleep, wakes up at noon, according to the clock on his nightstand. <laughs> He's had a big night, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know what time. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, again, why has his parents come and woken him up? I don't know. but Maybe they're still sleeping as well, to be honest. Could be. The way that they were sleeping before as well. Yeah. they. Well, they weren't. No, now that I think about it, they were fully dressed. They're just sitting and having tea at their kitchen table. Because <laughs> he leaps out of bed, runs downstairs, past his parents sitting, and outside to find his snowman has melted completely melted disappeared none of the rest of the snow has melted just his snowman which is the yeah. opposite of how it works but <laughs> obviously maybe there's some magic about it or you know, had to disappear could next be day. Yeah, easier to draw yeah <laughs> but but the last shot is james pulling out his scarf from father christmas so it wasn't a dream and he just sits next to his melted snowman devastated this might be this might be the first sad ending I've ever experienced. Yeah, again, it's it's that's British TV for you. I think oh, <laughs> we 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 don't like well, we do like happy ending, but we like a sadness. I, I often review. I've been reviewing on my podcast like Christmas British Christmas specials, and mm. some that I haven't seen before, some that I have seen before. 
And the one thing I keep noticing about quite a lot of them is that a lot of them will have really sad moments or really poignant moments, maybe not at the end, maybe in the middle somewhere or towards the end, compared to when I watch American Christmas specials and it's all quite joyful and gleeful. And if there is a sad moment, it's very quickly resolved, you know, and it's not sadness. It's not real sadness. It's, oh, somebody's, you know, lost their present or something. But in British Christmas specials, there's a, a moment where something's quite bleak, where people cry, where someone gets upset, where someone has an argument, where something happens, someone dies or, you know, there's always a sort of quite often this very poignant, sad moment. And, and I think this sums it up best at the very, very end to have this ultimate bleak, happy ending, uh, unhappy ending uh, sums up quite a lot about British Christmas TV. Okay. If you think about, uh, you've seen Love Actually. Yep. So Love Actually is, you know, a very famous British Christmas film and it has lots of stories in it, some with very happy endings, but some with very sad endings. Yes. There's some sad endings in that, some really sad moments that sure. you know, I cry watching every single year with oh, yeah. breakups and heartbreak Just... and stuff. And it's... It, it's that it's, it's these two things go together and Christmas is not just about full and happiness and joy. Sometimes it can be about sadness and poignancy and, and, and sort of yeah. um, a little bit of uh, looking back on loss or whatever it may be. Just Emma Thompson sitting and listening to Joni Mitchell and the saddest Absolutely. version of that Joni Mitchell song. too. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, usually yeah. it's a pretty upbeat. So, well, not upbeat, but more upbeat than it <laughs> is in this, but yeah. Know. Yeah. That, that that's the one that sends me over the yeah. the tears start falling at that point. Oh dear, love actually. <laughs> don't remind me. Don't remind me. <laughs> ah, but this is a good gateway to learning at a young age. Hey, not every story ends happily. Exactly, and I think that's what he said, didn't he? He. Um, yeah, I have I have the comment here. Raymond Briggs commented, uh, "I don't have happy endings. I create what seems natural and inevitable. The snowman melts. My parents died. Animals die. Flowers die. Everything does." <laughs> There's nothing particularly gloomy about it. It's a fact of life. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I agree completely with everything, but it is very gloomy as well. Yeah. well <laughs> I love the fact that my parents right. died just like as next to the, the snowman melting. It's just, it's a very matter of fact guy. And that's lovely, I suppose, in a way. And very British in a way, I suppose, quite stoic. Yeah. And, you know, this is how it is. This is yeah. how life is. But, you know, for a, a five-year-old watching this and crying their eyes out because snowman's just melted and their best friend's been taken away, uh, it's hard to explain. <laughs> yes, but life lesson from a year early age, obviously. Yeah, we we made we made it out okay. Yeah, and it makes the uh, you know the the um, when the wind blows more it makes a lot more sense now as well. Yes, <laughs> with that quote. <laughs> uh, but Adam, any final thoughts on the snowman in general? Um, I just it's something that I think more Americans especially should watch and and then trying to get to the mindset of of um you know of, of a British person because I think a lot of Americans view it maybe from that perspective of the American Christmas special with everyone happy go lucky their song and dance everyone's happy it's positivity it's meant to be fun and dance and then they watch this and 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 don't maybe understand the that ending it's it's too bleak it's too sad it's too too strange too weird um so i think you need to sort of you know imagine you're a brit when you watch this and and, and be a little bit bleak that's what it'll, we like we're, we're, we're a bleak nation we're a nation yeah. of people that like to complain like to moan like to whine about everything cues the weather traffic anything and everything we need something to be sad about sometimes it's just in our nature we're, we're, we're not as upbeat as a lot of other countries um, for, for maybe good reason, but, but we're sort of, it's, it's a good kind of negativity. It works because we, we then the highs are higher. And also then we sort of appreciate things. I like to think more, we, we, you know, accept the inevitability so we can appreciate things better, including go. your snowman melting, 
and uh, your best friend being lost to you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so my last thought about this is there was a sequel to this special in 2012. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen the sequel? I have. Uh, I was the only one who saw this back in 2012 uh, out of my friends here and, real- and got really excited about it. Maybe that was the point when I realized, okay, maybe the original isn't as popular as I remember or think it was, but... Yeah, yeah. I've only seen it two or three times, I think. Not as much as The Snowman, which I watch every year. I liked it. It was very good. Maybe I won't talk yeah. too much about it in case you want to talk about it in a future episode. But I definitely um, do. Yeah, it, it's, it's quite nice. It's quite sweet. It's an interesting update on the story. I think it does a lot that this story does well as well. It sort of, you know, just mm-hmm. keeps that same tone. It doesn't try and go too, um, too American, I suppose, or too, you know, bawdy or modern. It, it keeps that sort of tone, uh, which I quite like. Yes. Um, Something else I want to add about the snow, the snowman as a character as well. So there are two sort of things that he's been used in over here in advertising that are quite well known, oh. which I don't know if you've seen or not seen. So one is for Barber, which is like a, a clothing company. Okay. Um, and they make quite famously like outdoor clothes, especially jackets and boots and things like outdoors, rugged sort of things. And okay. They, I, don't, I don't even know why they use the snowman in their adverts. They just do. And he like puts on their jacket basically is the idea and their boots, you know, to, 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 go on his adventures um and that's quite sweet but the other one which is quite funny and i, I assume they got the rights to it because i'm pretty sure from my memory it's the um original uh like artwork and design of the snowman is a, a, a scottish drink called iron brew this is the one i saw yes yes have you heard <laughs> of iron brew before <laughs> not before seeing this no so Iron Brew is a, a, a Scottish, you know, fizzy drink, soft drink. Um, it's, it's very hard to explain what the flavor is because it's not like a fruit flavor. It's its its, its own thing. It's a bit like, um, I suppose, an energy drink kind okay. of, um, you know, um, something we have over here called Lucasade. It tastes a bit like that, but also not. It's it, You can't. I'd say just go and t- if you find an iron brew, just buy one and see what it tastes like because it's 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 its own unique flavour, um, and it's very popular in Scotland. Like it's pretty much Scotland's national drink is is iron brew, okay. um, or, or you know n- non-alcoholic drink, I should say, because Scotch is their national drink. <laughs> um, but the snowman did yeah an advert for iron brew, and and it's very funny and very silly. And if you again get a chance to go watch it because it's quite an absurd, silly little. It, it, again, it actually is sort of quite un-snowman like in a way and what the snowman does in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that link is also in the show notes yeah go and watch it i don't want to spoil it because it's funny no it, it's pretty good um but yeah from from what you've told me today i'm glad to see that this special is very beloved in its homeland if it's not here but please go check out the snowman if you if you haven't before it's one of my favorites and adam thank you so so much for coming on and help me defend it uh, this was a blast. Thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to yeah try and share some British Christmas um, um, perfection is what I call it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, and on that note, if people want to relax in your freezer and stare wistfully at a box of frozen fish, where can they find you on the Internet? Uh, so I have a podcast called Merry Britsmas and I have a Instagram, Twitter and Facebook uh, account and group all called Merry Britsmas. Uh, and on that podcast and on my Twitter and on my Instagram and everywhere, I share British Christmas things. So that is I talk about British Christmas television, music, uh, traditions and share various funny, odd Christmas videos and moments as well on my Twitter um, uh, every day. Yes, it's a great listen all year round. Please check it out. Uh, I am on Twitter at Fall West Mike. You can find show notes on, on the tangents we went on today at adventcalendar.house. 
And we'll continue counting down the Christmas in a couple of days. Until then, we're Adam for Merry Britsmas from somewhere high above the Arctic Ocean. This is Mike Westfall reminding you all to mind the icy patch and tell your snow people you love them before they're gone forever. Later! And now, these messages. It's Christmas! Hello, this is Adam from Merry Britsmas. I am a Christmas fanatic from the UK who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies, to Boxing Day, to Wham, to Slade, to the Royal Family, to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas, or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, check me out at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... The Dick Van Dyke Show. Starring Dick Van Dyke.